0: You're listening to How oh, Yoshi yeah, Did it. Podcast with
1: Yoshi Obayashi oh,
0: don't you ever...
1: Okay, thanks for listening to the new episode of Then I'm back in Stockholm, and uh, recently I worked with a very, very talented, and very funny comedian, Al Petcher, and he's here today, and he's kind enough to spend one hour of his valuable time and explain to me his um, comedy in Sweden, as well as his um, interesting background. But before we start during that, uh, this episode is uh, sponsored by Midnight Ice Cream. If you're looking for quality skateboard and skateboarding clothes please check them out in seattle washington so al th- thanks for doing the show and cool
0: um i'm actually on a couch as well so it feels
1: right we're in, we're in uh, my um a our yeah. friend Adil's place he um is a very funny guy but he always give you gives everyone a hard time but whenever uh, he privately talks about different community he he thinks very highly of you and, yeah uh, he's um he's a trash talker but uh he's a great guy and then um
0: yeah he's one of those guys that when he when he eventually kills loads of people um will, which everyone, he will yeah everyone will come out and say do you know what i kind of knew that because he was trash talking everyone <laughs> but um on the outside he's a very nice guy
1: and he he, he um we, you know obviously we want to talk more about your background you know great success in sweden um, he loves football and like um, he he was, I think he, you're the one who invited him to Sweden versus Portugal World yeah, Cup at the tournament. Yeah, where they missed and, uh, out. Yeah. And, um,
0: but the emotions of sport were in like three or four minutes of that game. Like Sweden scored and they scored again. And we were making, when they scored, we were making noises that I, I think only a man can make at a sporting event. Sure. It was kind of oh, like. It was it was kind of caveman, you know. Um, but they failed, they didn't they didn't qualify. Um but I enjoy when I first started doing comedy in I started in London and I never really thought about doing comedy and I was very privately a, like a sports fan and I thought sure. I thought nobody in comedy liked football. I thought it was really uncool to like sport. But then after a while I started to get mates you know people like uh you know like John Oliver who's in America now sure he's huge a, he's a massive Liverpool football fan you know and uh, those kind of people started coming out and saying oh did you you know you'd go into the dressing room before a game uh, before a um, gig and they would say yeah have you uh did you see the Liverpool score and then you knew that people liked football and that was amazing for me that was a real happy time
1: actually we did a show in Uppsala like a couple of weeks ago yeah and I, I didn't know you knew knew him, but um I I just I'm mean, gonna assume he was a massive stand up comic here and there was a period before the Daily show he was struggling.
0: Yeah, yeah. I which mean, is
1: shocking to me.
0: Yeah, but I think um this like overnight success, you know, I and mean, when we used to do gigs together, um at universities in um in in England, and John would die like all the time, you know. Um he would just go down like... Well, what's
1: the problem because...
0: I don't know. He just wasn't... Um, he was the kind of guy... I've never seen someone die on their ass as well as John would. He he could bring a whole room down to the point where it'd be that low that they would start laughing and come back around and he'd be
1: like a hero. It, it, it was, I mean, I don't know what his act, but is it too smart for them or too... It was
0: just, yeah, it was just not... Um, like, I think he, he looks a bit like um, Milhouse from The Simpsons, oh my God. you know? And if he walked <laughs> yeah. on, if he walked on stage... I can't argue with that, yeah. Yeah, if he walked on stage and went, oh, I know Milhouse looks... The crowd would probably love it, but he never... He refused to do that, I you see. know? So he wouldn't... He would just have his own agenda. I don't
1: want to say pander, but... Uh, yeah, maybe. I yeah. mean,
0: just to get yourself in, I suppose, yeah. you know? Um, and then my stuff was very interactive and was more upbeat and... But his stuff was, you know, uh, he did a lot of political stuff even back then and a lot of it was to do with sport, you know. Like, uh, Interesting. You know, a lot of it was like, yeah, but Tony Blair today looks like Dan Marino, Miami Dolphins, you know, like he'd, he'd always… He'll make a, that kind of reference? Yeah, he'd always have those kind of, He's a massive sports fan, yeah. So he'd always have sporting reference within his thoughts, you know.
1: Oh, I like him more now. I oh, don't yeah. he's, I, I he's know, guy. but that's a top such comment. a ref, really weird reference, like American NFL football reference. Yeah, very niche. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I don't think English fans will get that reference then.
0: But I think that was part of what John was about. Interesting, you know? You know like, um, I think sometimes these really. Do you think
1: he was ahead of his time? Maybe.
0: I think I think Britain didn't really care for him so much. He used to tell me a story where he did the Daily Show. Um, like in New York in front of 3,000 people or something. It was mm. some special gala. And I think they applauded and loved him. And then he flew back to Britain, played a gig in Brixton, and he was dying. And after three minutes in this crowd of, like, 38 people, this guy shouted out, your shit, mate, go back to America. You know, so there was the... But now he's becoming this guy who people are like, you know you know, who was this guy or the one that got away, you know? <laughs> New Zealand's very much like that. Not that I'm the one that got away. Fly the Concords were like that, you know? Right. They had a bit of a hard time in their own country, you it, know?
1: It, can I make a reference? I don't know if this will make sense to you. Um, when you have sports, um, it's, it's when you're playing against a really good team, it, you always cause problem by matchup. So yeah. like, you put a one player for whatever reason this player have always had a problem with this opponent, yeah um and I, I just think, like when my Seattle SuperSonics played against um michael Jordan Chicago Bulls in like yeah. ninety six nBA Finals, uh, they made a mistake not putting Gary Payton, the defensive player of the year until the third or fourth game in the series, yeah. they should have been doing the because there's certain players give you the Problems for some reason. It's just it's like yeah. a matchup, and then I think for comedians, for whatever reason, some people do well in different countries or cities over yeah. other ones, and I don't I don't really know why. Like I I don't know Jim Jeffrey that well, but I I know his uh, ex co host Eddie F podcast. Yeah, yeah. Jim is from Australia, but Eddie F from Pittsburgh, yeah yeah Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right as of now, I don't. Maybe it'll change. Adf is a bigger star in Australia, but Jim Jeff is Australian. Have TV show in America. You know, yeah, I, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I can't figure why funny people, but yeah. they have to go different places. Like, I guess you did really well in England and New Zealand, but Sweden is just your home core advantage.
0: Yeah, I mean, this I, is
1: like Liverpool team playing in Liverpool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how there was no plan to this, but I, I was sort of doing all right in England. I wasn't really getting much TV or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, to be honest, I don't think the British accept um, people not from Britain on their TVs as much. I know that sounds a bit weird, but I don't think, like like a Canadian comic, I've never seen a Canadian comic hosting a TV show there. or um, And when I say hosting, when I look back on it, I don't I think they do they do when they do live at the Apollo sure. and they get stand up shows, that's fine. But when it's like panel shows, which was a big thing in Britain, you know, maybe it's dying off now, but you know, you get the occasional like Australian on there sure. or, or, you know, Stuart Francis was on um a lot. Very and, funny guy. Uh, amazingly funny, yeah. And um but you didn't really get that I never got a big breakthrough and I went to Edinburgh a few times and that, you know, that kind of got my soul, ate it, and spat it out. You know, that was, that's a very, I think comedy. I think the great thing about me moving to Sweden is I just compete against myself. Sure. So I'm never, I'm never looking over my shoulders. Even when I go to a gig, we've both said this to each other the other day when, when you're going on a like a Swedish comedy club, you're listening. Because i don't understand the language so well especially when they talk so fast sure i don't know what they're saying so i could be saying exactly the same as what they're saying but because i don't know what they're saying i have total faith in my stuff you know um and also here here's been very much this you know this observational you know living in a different place you know and I think Britain had got fed up with so many comics coming over and saying Britain's a bit weird, isn't it? You know, because I think
1: the interesting. British,
0: the British people are like, well, if you don't like it, mate, fuck off, you know? But here the Swedes kind of love and I really really used to think I don't want to be that comedian who says something about somewhere and they go, "So true. That's so true." But all my stuff, and I, I mean, I don't know about you, if you write international, like stuff that mm-hmm. can work anywhere, but I I've got a lot of stuff that is just Sweden. You know, that that's it can't work anywhere else.
1: Uh, you know, when I was watching you, and you were killing and, and I could tell you something funny, but some of the reference, you know, I've already been here months. So I don't, I didn't quite get. Yeah. But it's very similar because I no work a lot with Russell Peters. People get defensive if you talk about them and you ridicule them or maliciously trying to hurt them. Yeah. It's not that. What you and people like uh, comedians like Russell does is it's very flattering that you actually went out of their way to see something beyond just the stereotypical things. Yeah. But you're very perceptive uh, about their culture and they really appreciate that. But you're also presenting in a very funny way. Yeah. I know? try and celebrate them. Mm.
0: You know, I I... Uh, Funny enough, I've I've done loads of gigs with with Jim Jeffries. You know, we did Edinburgh together. But Jim thing would be like, "Ah, oh, bloody cold here, you bastards!" You know, yeah. like, and people would love that because he just, you know, um, whereas and, he,
1: and he's famous enough people know what they're going yeah, into, yeah, yeah.
0: But for me, it's very much, um, you know, trying to be positive about everything. And I used to get embarrassed about that. I think Britain, I think for a while there. Trying to be that positive comic was like, oh, you should have some kind of edge, or you should Mm -hmm. be a little bit kind of more, you should split a room more. But, and it might be a bit, it might be a bit bland in some people's eyes. It might be like, oh, isn't that funny? Or have you noticed? But I, you know, I finally, finally just thought, I don't care. I just want to make people laugh. I just want a room. That
1: laughs, you know? And nobody, nobody questioned people like Brian Regan. I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, but he's one of the cleanest comic out there in the States. And, and he's hilarious. He's well loved, even for shows like Opie and Anthony, where they have the most edges kind of racial humor. But Brian is so clean, but he's so funny that at the end of the day, as long as you're funny, people respect you. And uh, I don't know why in England they have that stereotype, even though I've done a couple of shows there. Yeah. What is that about, like, overly aggressive, like... yeah, You I know mean, what I'm talking about? It's like a yeah. little bit... They like sarcastic and cynical humor.
0: I think the status of a comic on stage in England is very unique as well. Like, I think they... The crowd are sitting there going, who's this... You know, I've never heard of this bloke. You're funnier than him, Terry, you know. Mm-hmm. But I find even here doing company shows like this morning this morning i did a company show at 8 45 which comedy shocking, at eight forty-five, which would have in the past just given me just stomach pains for months knowing that this you know in fact i looked in my diary and i had it and i thought it was like mistyped i thought it mm-hmm. was put in the wrong time eight till nine in the morning well, what? what kind of we? it's not a comedy club it's for comp it's for a company so the company will like by like you to do thirty minutes of stand up. It's a corporate.
1: Is it like a Christmas show? Is that what it is? Um,
0: or? it was a. It was their morning. Lucia figure. Lucia is a big thing. It's but to me, it means Christmas is on its way I when see. Lucia turns up.
1: Um and and it's on the Friday the thirteenth too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's kind of funny.
0: So I was naked. No, I am. Um, and there there was like two hundred people there. They were drinking coffee. It couldn't have been any better. It was just, they were, it didn't matter what time. I think there's a a thing with Swedes where they go, right, so my company boss has spent a bit of the entertainment budget on this guy. Sure. I like my company boss. I'm going to enjoy this. Sure. Whereas in Britain, they'd be going, why have we spent the shit on on this shit? Yeah. You know, we should have bought beers or we should have got a karaoke in. you know, it's um, so that mindset has been very different as well.
1: Is it because when I look at places like Boston and like blue-collar workers in Philadelphia yeah. and Detroit, it's it's not an easy town to live. It's tough, and um, is it because they have such a hard life that
0: yeah. they don't have
1: a space to be like warm? I mean, it's, it's they've got a sense of humor, which is I bit, do think English are very funny.
0: Yeah, I I I, I you know. I can still laugh with a load of sporting fans mm. if they're singing on the train. I still find that funny, um, but they're. But then I find the Swedish sense of humour to be very dark. I think they can really joke about like death and.
1: Um, it's not really language it's a subject matter. They like subject, the subject matter, matter. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, um, I, there's some things that I they they say here, and I'm like, whoa, you know. The, you mean comedians or comedians yeah. yeah people yeah you know um you know even in the family if someone passes away there they're very much like it's gone you know that, that that that's over we get on with life you know um i don't know if it's the darkness here or the that doesn't you know, help i don't think no i mean it's tough now there's a there's a thing where they've got a seasonal depression and you can see it in people you know um, people just get down you know people are um, you know it's it's tough i think there's something like the the, the sun comes up at like eight forty one, and then it's gone at fourteen fifteen. you know it's like six hours of of, of light
1: let me give you uh the, the reason why i'm so groggy today and yesterday yeah we were standing up so late yesterday i think i finally went to bed like five or six in the morning it was still kind of dark yeah. when i woke up like 3:40, it was yeah. <laughs> it was dark so, so i i mean yeah. literally i feel like i missed a day yeah yeah, yeah so you know i, I, I think Im-
0: people people go they they drop their children off at the kindergarten at 8 30 in the morning it's dark then they go to work in an office they probably have their own lunch inside mm. they come out it's dark you know that can't help your mind yeah
1: you know and and we're going to jump back uh, in a minute, with your, be, you know, your background stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm very serious when I ask you this question. Um, I, I like reading those Scandinavian crime novelists, you yeah. know, and like last 10, 15 years, they're fabulous and they're very popular. Yeah. You know, Joe yeah. Nesbo and like Stieg Larsson. Yeah. Stieg Larsson is very popular in the States because Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Which is called, actually the Swedish translation is actually Men Who Hates Women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the image of Scandinavia is, uh, you know, happiest places in the world, healthcare for everyone, yep. access to education, low crime, low unemployment. But Steve Larsson was a journalist. He's familiar with all the crimes and gangs and yeah. violence against women. So underneath that happy shininess, yeah. there's got to be something that's kind of hidden away from people. And that's my feeling. There's If I stay here long enough, I'll probably well notice that... Uh, What's your assessment like? It can be everything, like, what outsiders think about Scandinavia, which is...
0: I think I think they're very, um, in some parts of Sweden, I think the man is very quiet and within himself frustrated. Yes. Uh, not showing much emotion, you know. Um, see, I read those books actually before we moved here.
1: And and it's so dark, you know. Yeah, I mean, the joke I thought was when I moved, when I was visiting... It's so, the places that they call ghetto, it's just a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. States, we would call it like Black Beverly Hills, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I thought they don't have, they have so little crime that people have to write, imagine crimes in Scandinavia like these guys. Yeah. But when I think about Steve Larson, he must knew something about inner workings of uh, Scandinavia that um, yeah. he didn't even marry his girlfriend because he was afraid if people knew he was married, his wife a a girlfriend would be in danger so I wonder is there things like you were saying like depression but there's things that like dark side of Sweden That
0: yeah I mean I haven't I haven't sort of seen it Um, but if you read the news there's always there is that grisly murder you know there is that weird um, I don't know it's very I tell you one thing that is strange here is if Because I don't, and I should learn the language, and I haven't had time to learn it, but I don't pick up a newspaper, I don't watch the news. Sure. So I don't know. I see. And even that, I think, in a way, has helped my stand up sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know?
1: Um, And And when you you do shows. And they're very happy with you you meet happy swedes all the time yeah (laughs) yeah it's not like you're hanging out with a couple of swedish cops and they'll they'll probably tell you a different side of it yeah yeah and Uh
0: and um you know and my my family here are very from the left you know and they find that you know it's uh it's they're
1: they're probably pro-immigrants and things like that yeah yeah
0: yeah. and and uh, the socialist kind Mm. of the, the the nice world and Sweden was always you know they, they always say to me that oh, it's not what it used to be, you know But I think that that's been said for years in every place. You know, it's not this isn't where how we used to have it but I think this country I think it's a wee bit lonely sometimes. I think the solitude of the place, you know I think the cold weather comes in the darkness comes in
1: people put their heads down and and, and people tend to be strikes me shy very, very polite, very nice people. Yeah, but what I,
0: I think when once you get to know them, mm-hmm. they're I really agree. loyal. They're they they can be friends for life, you know. And it, you know, it's like that thing you go in and 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 you buy something in a shop, and you say thank you, and they go, oh, sorry, you're English speaking. Sorry, I should have. And you're like, no, you shouldn't have to apologize no. to me because I'm not speaking your language, you know. Um but also the television here is all in English it with is? Swedish
1: subtitles so, yeah. so ideal doesn't have TVs so i have no idea what yeah. they watch so yeah. all
0: the all the english speaking programs uh they go out as the as they should with um, with subtitles swedish subtitles so the kids get to learn the language whereas you know i did a gig in switzerland and i watched saving private ryan in german like uh. uh, dubbed over so there's actually a guy, you know. Um, I think it's a George Clooney, a guy that does all the George Clooney, you know, in German. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's it's uh, they're very once you get to know these guys, I think they're amazing. They're, they're fantastic. They really are. Yeah.
1: And and uh, I don't I don't mean to um, in, not trying to be in, insulting, but uh, to me, I just put Norwegian, Swedes, and Danes. One Scandinavian category. I, I've i had wonderful times here, you know. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which I just I don't want to nitpick, but um, it's compared to USA, they, all three countries do a wonderful job taking care of their people. They tax the shit out of you, yeah. but they do take care of you. You know, you yeah, pay I for what you so. got. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I do think so. And I, you know, I, another thing is, I'm probably the most un rock and roll comic. You know, I like to go back to the hotel room, watch a DVD. You know, I'm not into the VIP part of it. You no. know, I genuinely just love hearing laughter, you know. And there's, it's a great feeling, you know, when you say something in, in your head.
1: Sure. You know what it's like, you know. Something that you thought about in your head eventually went up on the stage it's coming out of your mouth and it's, it's, it's it's connecting it. with people that are actually responding in a positive way and
0: you're the you're this comedy kind of jukebox mm-hmm. it's what you're saying and the power with holding a microphone is amazing like you can literally you could say something which is just totally offensive and You've got that thing, and there's a part of your brain that goes, "Well, don't say that." Sure,
1: you know. Um, But I I I think it's great because for you to make them laugh the way you were making them laugh, yeah, knowing it's it's, this is the type of year. I'm sure they suffer depression, or it's it's not. It makes you feel moody. Yeah. So for somebody to just come and make you laugh, I think. I think. I mean, you know, I don't want to get a little cheesy, but. I think it is good. They probably need more of that here, you know. Um,
0: yeah, and uh, you know, I it is that thing of trying to make people laugh as hard as
1: possible. Sure,
0: you know, um, I, I've got nothing not not nothing to be ashamed of, but I just thought, you know, I, I used to. I I think in Britain, I was a bit um, worried about peer pressure as well. You know, you know, we've all got those mates that come to a comedy gig you're doing and they're comedy mates and because they're in the room you think oh i can't do that they'll think it's shit Mm -hmm. and you forget about the 200 people that are there i don't really have that as much here you know i'm just i'm just focused on what i try and do you know
1: i met uh, do you know carrot top that uh i've heard of him yeah yeah. vegas act and i remember other comedians were giving him a hard time and uh, to me i watched carrot top like it's pretty entertaining you know but I guess if you're one of those old school stand up, like that's, that's you know, some people get mad at like guitar act, or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just think we're all in the same business. Yeah. You play football, you act, you sing, you do stand up. It's just performance art. Yeah. If 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 the audience are having a good time, you, you just can't live with that, you know? And some people get nitty, they get picky, but I mean, I, I, I obviously I do duty stuff. I don't do it because I just like that kind of humor. I mean, but I also like, People who do clean act if they're funny. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know I don't understand why people but you see to...
0: I watched you in Uppsala and
1: I really laughed. You know. Yeah, the... thanks. I mean you know, sometimes that some of the audience be like, Oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable laughing at that, yeah. that particular joke. But um we are where we are, you know, and look, I always treat common like food. Some people put like spicy food and sweet. Yeah. And if you just happen to make the best sweet food and, and I just make I just have to make pretty decent spicy food. It just depends on the audience. Like, it's not right or wrong to say I like sweet or spicy food. You know, Uh, I don't understand why people get um,
0: going on that food thing. I I once did a show in um, uh, Edinburgh, and uh, the woman from um, Just for Laughs—I think there's more. There's more than one woman, but she came along and she said, "I really love that," and I said, "Ah." It was all right, you know. I'm a bit like Chinese food, you know. You have some, and then you're hungry again. Yeah. And she was really pissed off with me, like really, kind for of for saying that. Yeah, like don't you dare tell me if I enjoyed, you know, if I didn't enjoy it. You know, it, it's quite a it's quite a stupid thing to say to someone if someone says I really enjoyed that, and then you say no, no, you didn't. You would have enjoyed, you know you sometimes i find it hard taking compliments here you know i i love i
1: love i love the and, and I, I don't know why you know I, I but i i i noticed like you know remember when we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago yeah uh, one of the biggest stand-up comic is a guy named david tell and one of somebody i work a lot and i i have a lot of respect he kills but he's never satisfied and and he's not being modest like that's only way you're going to get better is like notice things that you didn't you didn't do well that night and he's very critical of that so i i understand where she's coming from but i know you as a performer yeah you don't care about the part that went well you just you probably went in like oh i wasn't happy with the new thing that you're working i think that's what you meant that's what i'm feeling you know
0: yeah and 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 also um it's it's also getting into dangerous territory if you if you're doing well and not enjoying it. You mm. have to you have to enjoy it, you know? Because it's if you just got this this awful feeling in your stomach all the time, like, oh, yeah. I wanna be there, I wanna do this and no, that's not good enough and, and the people who are enjoying it, I think that that
1: messes you up. You and I, I think a lot of community also will say they have matured, the really works well, but maybe they're just sick, fucking sick and tired of doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the big fans, I mean, I remember Ryan Reagan, audiences started yelling, like, do this material, you know? Yeah, and yeah. like, everybody knows the joke, but like, key part of doing comedy bits are supply sediment. Like, they didn't know where the punchline was coming. Yeah. But those guys, that's that's the problem you guys would be facing. Like, more the bigger the fans, they want you to do all the classic even though there's no supplies anymore elements anymore
0: yeah i um i saw that pablo francisco in melbourne once okay and that was like a rock concert people were shouting out do the video guy or you know or the the uh, the voiceover guy you know and that was the first time i'd ever seen it but there's part of me You know, it's a bit like that the whole Louis C. K phenomenon, which I think has affected comedy worldwide. I Mm -hmm. think I think in Sweden he's huge. You know, he played a big arena here. But his thing of, you know, writing a new hour has really kind of affected even Swedish comics. You know, they're like, Okay, well I can't just rest. I find that I write for a tour. So I write the show and I finish my tour like um in the middle of November. Sure. So I've now had a month of doing club shows and and other shows where I don't have any new material. So I'm just doing it from the tour and I feel are the people coming who went to see the tour, are they coming to this show because sure. I'm I'm dishing up the same stuff. So I get but I know that I've got a tour next year in autumn. So it's about Trying to generate that tour. And I don't write things down. I just try and keep them in my head.
1: Very similar to Russell Peters once again. He doesn't yeah. write shit at all. He, re- he has such an incredible memory.
0: Yeah. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. of sitting down and, and and doing this from 10 to 1 o'clock, you know, like.
1: It's interesting because Louis one time talked about uh, mid 90s. They heard that uh, Chris Rock is back doing uh, stand up more again. And he had a one, uh, he was working Miracle Carolines or something. And um, Louis went to see it, and he was blown away. He did, he couldn't believe you could do a hour of show like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think when Louis, I heard like, the, I have a lot of friends who are friends with him, and um, when he used to film Lucky Louis in L.A., my friend Jim Norton was on the show, so I used to kind of go with and watch, and he's a real hard worker, you know, mm. and either him or I think even Norton, or somebody told me that um, sometimes on purpose he'll do all the best material in the beginning, like first fifteen, twenty minutes, then he'll it'll force him next forty minutes to do an even better job with yeah. something that he's working I on. I think
0: there's that thing with Gervais and Seinfeld and he was saying that he starts with his closing bit. Mm-hmm. Um because then that makes that he has to follow that, you know. Um but everybody has different ways, you know, different ways of working and um I just feel sometimes I feel that it's that comedians don't work hard enough, you know. Yeah. You know, I I think sometimes I think, the, you know, it, it, all you got to do is write a minute a week, and that's fifty minutes. That's the, that's the year, you know. You know, I I just, for me anyway, I I, feel I, I
1: think a lot of comics, including myself, I'm guilty of it. Uh, when you when you do the, I guess whatever the best material you have, you get addicted to that laughter. Yeah. Even though. If you want to get better, when I look at guys like Louis and David Tell, they're always doing new shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah. And uh,
0: I feel I feel the pressure a bit sometimes. Um, being absolutely honest with you, I go to clubs, you know, and I I really I I want to entertain the people who are in the room. Sure. So I find it that it if I'm writing for a another thing for a tour, I think that the idea that I wouldn't give that I I just need to make it quite clear that it's a work in progress you know yes, yes. I even go on and say there's new material because I have to because yeah. I don't want them going I spoke I, I heard this guy was good He's shit you yeah. know
1: like that none of these jokes work you know But, but we all have to and um, yeah
0: you do you have to
1: die to get there man and I've been to Comedy Cellar, what probably is the best club in New York City. I saw until work, and then uh, there was a special guest the last minute, and Rock, Chris Rock, showed up, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. But it was fun to see him when he was working on something new, yeah. and maybe like a year, a year and a half later, when he did a special, like, oh, I remember. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's almost like premise for jokes are like a giant rock, and you're sculpting, you're kind of chipping away. And it might take a while, but eventually you finish that, whatever the masterpiece you're working on. Yeah. Like, so it, for me, I really actually enjoy when he was doing new stuff and like figure out how he was working on it. And like, oh, of course, most of his old oh, oh, get a huge laugh, but there's a couple of them like, oh, that was interesting. But I think he's still figuring out maybe too much word here or maybe added word here. He was kind of working on them. Yeah. And when I saw the special, like, ah, okay.
0: But I, I, I actually, uh, when I when I was trying out new material I Used to do this bit where I'd say it's so weird watching a, You know like you a comedian can say he's trying out new material You don't go and see like a band and they're going right. We're just gonna we're gonna try this one. Yeah. Out. Yeah, yeah. it's called uh, smoke uh, Smoke smoke on the daughter. No, yeah. we haven't quite got it, you know, but come
1: back next week, you know, so they uh, have it easy because they could play the music that they had a you know huge hit 20 years ago, and they still want to hear it. That's we, we the can, one we, that, yeah. Yeah, we can't do that because surprise is a big element of uh, most of the jokes. So once you guys hear it, you know, eventually we gotta stop using it. Something else.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've just done some TV here, um, and I burned a lot of my stuff. So now it's, you know,
1: but, because, but, because most people say, "Hey, I heard that shit before." Yeah,
0: yeah. You I don't know. think Swedes do though. They I, don't. I, no, I don't. I, I, I think some people come along and they've said, "Oh, I've seen you four or five times, and I saw some of those jokes, but you've got new stuff." Yeah. I, I do try and make it sure different. It, it, for me, it has to be like their birthday party or their 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 New Year's Eve party every night. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the way. You know, I just I just love. I I didn't think I was so into. Having an ego, doing this, but I, I, I love making. When, when it all comes together, it's such a good feeling.
1: Yeah, man. I, I, I. Right after my set, I went upstairs to eat, and like, as I'm eating, I, I could hear people laughing all the way upstairs. You know, you were like, oh, cool. killing from beginning to end. And um, I finally come down and watched you, and I, I wish I got the references, but I could tell it was just like. It wasn't that a forced laugh they really like and they were surprised that, that that some of the references that you knew about sweden and yeah it was it was a perfect show um, i i
0: think i think there's a connection i uh, my english is very easy to understand for swedes as well you know we've actually put that on posters you know um just in case you know i did a gig in finland and um they hadn't told anyone that it was in english and that was like the most confu you know mm-hmm. because i was up there thinking they're not laughing. They didn't know it was in English. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, I really should acknowledge that, you know, and it was just tough.
1: Well, let, well that's a good uh, transition. I want to know because you were, let, let's talk about your background. So you were born in England and you moved to New Zealand. How old were you when you moved to New Zealand?
0: We see my dad, he he was like an engineer, mm-hmm. uh, very working class, you know, um, And my dad saw like an an advert in a newspaper. He was quite good at football, quite good at soccer. And uh, it just said, engineers wanted with soccer skills. (laughs) Like, what? It was, yeah, it was like a club in New Zealand was advertising for people with trades, you know, like engineers, electricians. So they could bring them over, get them to play football. And then also, um, they could work as
1: well. That's a really odd average. Yeah, it's
0: a pretty, um, it's a pretty kind of direct uh, ad.
1: So your dad said, fuck it, let's go. And you guys.
0: Yeah, and and then it was like, that was 1978 or something. And it was like a massive deal. It was like, we don't see you ever again. There was no internet. There was no mobile phones, Mm -hmm. you know you know it was like we're going around the other side of the world you know this big 24-hour flight you know we're not going to see you man so i remember even as a five-year-old crying and saying goodbye to my cousins and thinking this is huge you know and then i got out there to new zealand and i had this northern english you know i was walking around going you're right how you doing you're right and they were like what's wrong with you you know and so i never was really accepted even at school i was still you know and then i was the class clown as well you know um that was the only way i could get it
1: get away with it really wait was it bad forever or did it eventually kind of stop you're like one of them
0: yeah, I was—I sort of got to be one of them. And then I came to, and then I always wanted to come back to England. I always, there was always that burning desire. You know, I liked the football. I liked the music of. Um,
1: but, what, uh, but what was it like growing up in New Zealand? I'm, I'm just kind of. It
0: was, it, it's, uh, you know, that the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, that you always think, oh, you know, this life, you know. But looking back, it was
1: amazing. We, we were in Auckland. Where
0: were you? No, in? we're in a place called Rotorua, and uh, if you have ever been, that it smells. It smells of uh, sulfur because it's all volcanic. It's all geothermal. Ah. Uh, um. I think it's like the most populated lake district in the world. Um. So we were, you know, again, New Zealand.
1: is... It couldn't be more different than England.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, like, and and this was northern England, so it was like, you know, um oils and and coughing and um okay you're gonna do that you? Eh? it's a bit unprofessional but i um that was a deal coming a deal. back into his own house and taking his own computer which offends me large yeah, that's normal. <laughs> but i um yeah, so it was, it was very different. And then, you know, uh, and the sunshine. And it, it's, it's, it's a very good life for a child, you know. But again, I never, and even now, when I, if I go back and I try and do a, a comedy show in uh, New Zealand, I'm never known as a New Zealander. I'm always looked upon as an English person. Wait,
1: but how many years did you live in
0: New Zealand? 25, 26. I feel <laughs> like a New Zealander. And sport, and sport, when I went over to New Zealand, I was like, they were giving me so much shit that so if England ever played New Zealand, I supported England. Sure. And then I went to New Zealand. I went back to England, and I was doing a comedy show. You were
1: supporting the New Zealand team. New Zealand,
0: and they got knocked. <laughs> they got knocked out in the World Cup rugby. Massive. Like they, the whole country was in mourning. You know, it was like a big, big deal. We got beaten by France. The result, they were still playing. New Zealand were hot favourites, and then we had a break in the gig. And I came back out and they were all chanting France, France at me, you know. Um, so, yeah, I had that whole New
1: Zealand thing. And now I just support Sweden. Interesting. But so the, I mean, okay, you grew up, didn't you grew up in New Zealand. You moved back to England specifically to do comedy? No, no. no.
0: I, I moved back, man. I, I had uh, I'd done a broadcasting degree. So I wrote ads, mm-hmm. those kind of ads. You know, like, um, hey, John, yeah, what's wrong? What are you wearing? Uh, Socks from Smith's. Okay, where are you going? And then footsteps. I'm going to get some socks. You know, that kind of, you know, all those kind of weird ads. So I was writing a lot of those and and getting the local butcher into voice his own, you know, meat, sausages, that's what you need. Um, (laughs) So all that kind of stuff. And then, so I came over. And I really had the dream of doing something. I don't know what it was,
1: but I had the ambition that I would somehow… You didn't have any interest in doing it in New Zealand? No. It was just too small a market or… It just… I was kind of picked to be like this… When we were at Broadway
0: Radio School, really, um, I was picked to be like, why don't you become this breakfast DJ, you know? be the personality and i just found i just find radio there were so many breaks there were yeah. so many mentioned sponsors and it had to be commercials then and you do a personality but it was so um so many rules sure. that it wasn't it wasn't about personality at all you know it was more about voice you know so i um uh i went to Bretton and I, I came from that school of that old school thinking of you do something a bit weird and that'll get you in. Right. Like New Zealand had this, we were going through this whole thing in New Zealand of you'd send like a shoe to get a foot in the door. That kind of, you know, that weird kind yeah. of, you dress up as Superman and knock on the door and go, I'm, I'm a hero for your company. That kind of weird, weird shit. Yeah. And I sent a, um, to a radio station, I made a little Bible. And it was the gospel according to our picture. And it was just my ideas. And and now when I think back, like I never heard anything back. I'd, no wonder I didn't. You know, uh-huh. they just got this Bible <laughs> thing. And I was like, yeah. holy shit, keep well away from this dude, you know. So I was kind of in that thinking that I, I never had any ambition or anything, but I had that feeling that maybe I'd be sweeping... A floor and someone would look up it'd be like a film director and they'd go i like the way you're sweeping come with me and i'd be the new russell crowe or something
1: you know uh i live in la there's a lot of stories like that yeah some people literally think all oh, they have to do stand in some corner where all the um agents and managers see you and they'll pick you up exactly you
0: know? i i was very naive yeah I, I think i'd read a ewan mcgregor um biography like unauthorized biography. And that kind of gave me hope. I thought, yeah, you know. What kind of stuff was it in it to give you hope? That he, um, he t- you know, he turned up in an audition. I think there's a story about Bob Hoskins was in a pub with his mate and his mate went to get the audition. And then his mate was running late or something. So he went over to see his mate across the road at the audition. The guy mm-hmm. went, are you here for the audition? He goes, "No, nah, I'm just here to pick my mate." Well, oh, come on, read this, and then got the film part, and he, that was history.
1: That's and how that's how I yeah.
0: you know. So I was I was very into that kind of idea. Sure, it does
1: happen. I mean, that's I mean, weird it sounds, yeah, enough I mean, of those things happen that it gives hope. hope I, to, I, I do,
0: I do look at those mm-hmm. kind of those stories and and also the um, but I think hard work. There's a I've been trying to find out ways of how people write, you know, how they work. Because I find that I don't write. So I just, I wanted to find some kind of system, some kind of formula. And there was a book in town, it's about 400 pages, how I write. And it's just loads of
1: people saying... Oh, it's not a stand-up comedy joke writing. It's just general writing. It's generally Mm -hmm. like,
0: I think Einstein would wake up at 8.30, he'd work till midnight, uh, midday, have lunch till two, walk around the campus, and then he'd work till ten. So it was all—it's all that kind of process, you know. Yeah. And some people would take drugs. And Then I was reading it. I was like, "This is getting me nowhere. I'm not—I'm not getting any closer to writing. I'm just reading a book about people, you know. So I can get a bit stuck in that, you know. Um, but I was very much of the from New Zealand as well. Like Russell Crowe was a big kind of. Oh sure. When he won an Oscar for Gladiator, and he got up there and he was—he sort of basically said, "Like anybody can do this. I'm from little New Zealand," and it was almost like, you know, those things on the movies where you—that you think, "Shit, they're just talking to me. This is just about me." And I'd done no acting at that stage. I'd done a short film, Mm -hmm. possibly one of the worst films in
1: cinema history. What? Well, what? It's 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 okay to have a dream, and you're actually working at it, and you, you found a lot of success over here. Yeah, but w- was that the case when you went to England when you started stand up there?
0: Um, I started stand up, but didn't I didn't even know stand up existed. Mm-hmm. I just thought there was like three or four people that did stand up, like Bill Cosby, Billy Connolly. I grew up on uh, on listening to a lot of old records, old comedians' records, um, of Billy Connolly and, and Jasper Carrot. I don't know if you've heard of him. Eng- I, English, I'm not familiar with him. But... English guy. Mm-hmm. And well, how did you find it? Like, did did you see? I mean, how? I I went to a gig mm-hmm. um, above a pub in England, and I think there was like thirteen acts on. They were doing three minutes each, and it was the most electric feeling like they had their friends there the audience had There was pockets of different audience members for comedians people you you went to just see not just to watch yeah i I hadn't even thought about doing Mm -hmm. stand-up and i was like god this is amazing like Mm -hmm. i'd done my broadcasting i done so i um and 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 part of the broadcasting was i did this six-month diploma in theater so I'd I'd had a bit of time on stage, sure, but I'd never done stand up. I'd never hosted anything, and I went up to the guy afterwards, and I was like, "That was amazing." And and I and he said, "Do you want to try it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'd I'd love to give this a go." Um, and he said, "Oh, be, it's like six months waiting." So I was like, "That's fine. I'll I'll go away and I'll try." Six and, months. It was six months. Even the British comedy scene. Like, st- Stockholm now has got a lot of open mic nights, but it was like the six-month waiting... Um, For an open
1: mic spot? For an
0: open mic spot, yeah. Jesus. It was just booked, totally booked up. It was so...
1: Well, it never occurred to you that maybe you could find other places? Or? Yeah,
0: well, I ended up getting a place called the Purple Turtle Bar, which I think anybody can get in probably the same night. Um And I... I got introduced at a party as a comedian, without actually doing a gig. <laughs> that's and I, funny. I grabbed my <laughs> that's, mate, and that's I said, "Really funny." I said, "Mate, you can't do that. I haven't done a gig." He goes, "But you're going to," and I was like, "No, I don't give a you know, um, uh, just in case they told, just in case it got round the party, this is the comedian. Let's set up a gig for him here." Yeah. You know, and I'd never done one.
1: And then um, that's th- really terrifying. If <laughs>
0: you've never been on but the stage, but then I've always been like, I mean, I don't know about you, but as as a comic, i i hate I hate having to perform outside a comedy arena, or like a comedy club, because I'm, you know, we went to New Zealand once. And we were with the was with my family, and we're in this van, this but this bus, this maybe eighty seat bus, and it was like a a Maori tour, mm-hmm. you know, like to get it was we were going out to see this maori cultural night and the the bus driver had this sidekick and he, and he didn't he was like yeah right here we are you know we're gonna well who we got in we got germans in they cheered and he got them to sing their their national songs and it was coming around to me and i was like oh shit man i don't need this i don't i don't want to do this you know just complete fear but i've always been like that i've always had the fear of i don't do karaoke or but i can oh, I get up it. i can get up in front of hundreds of people and i love that you know but i um and then i did my gig and i can't tell you how it went i i think it went bad i just remember turning up about 4 hours before the gig started and i was across in a cemetery just going over my notes and i got up i had no I think the first, my, my first joke was about friends, the more being attractive, and Ross being the most attractive. It was something like that. And got no, not much laughter at all.
1: Um, but it, that, it's just important to cross that barrier. What, just finally the, get The, on the, stage. the biggest, yeah. the, the
0: only thing I got was I put the mic back in the stand sure. and it slipped. And I kind of, it wasn't even a stage. It was a um, just some beer crates with a, bit of wood across and I just fell forward mm-hmm. and one guy at the back went, hey And I just remember thinking, Wow, oh, that, that that's good enough.
1: You know? Then after that you did a bunch of other shows, get better and better. Um,
0: bunch of shows and then I gave up. Um I, I just stopped. I just decided what I decided, I'm I'm very much into I, the Irish writers, you know. Um I've always had this thing. I'm a big U two fan and uh I was going to go to Ireland and I was going to I got a job picking vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um and I went there on the idea that I I have this romantic feel of life. Sure. And I thought I'd pick vegetables and then I'd sit on a rocking chair maybe with a pipe and I'd just write hundreds and hundreds of pages of stand up. And it ended up that I worked so hard picking vegetables that I couldn't do anything at night, you know? So I was so tired and I just thought, I can't do this.
1: So it was a pointless exercise.
0: So I took like six months, seven months off doing stand up and doing nothing.
1: And how was it uh, when you came back the second time around? Did you.
0: Second time around was when I decided to get inspired I got inspired by I was very much like don't watch any other stand up. Sure. Don't get influenced. Don't, you know. And I saw a guy called Phil K who's very improvisational. And that was a big breakthrough for me. That was like you can just go on and make it up. And and which was great when you're when you're playing like open mic clubs sure. and newer clubs. But when you get into these big rooms Paid gigs. Paid gigs, you can't mess around. Yeah. Like, you can try, but you just won't get rebooked because maybe, maybe if you're lucky, two out of five would be amazing gigs. Sure. Like, better than everyone else. But the other three would be horrendous. Like, people would be like, okay, what are you doing, mate? Why, why are you still talking about the curtains? And, you know, why have you,
1: you know. And, the, and a lot of this club owners, they don't care at times they no, just want to know it's business man who's going to help me sell most amount of beer so yeah yeah um yeah
0: that's quite difficult when when people start saying we're going to put an extra break in because we're going to sell more beers and you're like oh that's why i'm here
1: you know but um so you, you were you were doing shows a long time and this is the part i, I always forget you you're doing very well in england but how how did this thing where england to sweden thing happen? Yeah
0: got i got uh, i was working in a bar so i was still working um and i actually did a character in um in london called the croc man you know like steve Irwin, and i used to oh yeah yeah i used to fight this blow-up crocodile um comedians loved it because it was so shit but Mm -hmm. audiences were like i need to get this guy off he's you know he's having it was one of those character things where He's having a mental breakdown this year, sure. you know. And then I met my wife. She actually brought along seven Swedish mates once, all these girls. And there was about 12 people in the audience. And I died. And I was fighting a blow-up crocodile in front of all of them. And her mates were like, is this really the future? You know, this mm-hmm. numpty. And then we used to come over here on holiday. Used to love kind of we used to sit inside a lot and talk and i used to think and then i just i didn't even know there was a really much of a comedy scene here and i contacted a few places nobody replied apart from one who's my agent now sarah and uh that was it that was me i was like let's try it and i was going to come over here and i was going to live here for 10 days and then go back to England for ten days. It's going to be work, a fly in Ryanair, sleep mm-hmm. on people's couches. Sure. And I did it for like six months, and then all of a sudden I started getting work here, and the money, the money was better here, although you get taxed like higher. crazy too. Yeah. But when you're earning the Krona, it feels quite good. And then so I, I decided to. I got an. But 80- what,
1: what, what? But what is it about you? Because it's, it wasn't like you're the first foreign act coming here, but what was it about you that you were able to pick something that they really, like you really connect with the audience?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think there was a few other comics that have have done it before. You know, um, one I think one massive advantage was that I was interactive
1: um, with and, the audience members. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I do this, I do this uh, picture show idea where um, I take photos mm-hmm. on the day. So say say I'm doing a show in in Boston. Mm-hmm. I go around, I take photos of Boston, and then I show the photos on a screen that day. And then I go, what is it with this place? That I went down here, and then the audience <laughs> interact. And it, when you go to a small place or any place in Sweden and you do that, it's such a you get a, a connection that I've never had before. Like, wow, he's he's been around our town today,
1: you know. So is, is it all, it's it's flattering, and there's always sense like civic pride. It's like it, yeah. it's yeah. like doing
0: a local gag, you know. If you if you've got a local joke about the the the, the shitty nightclub, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, jing jangles. Ooh, people go, you hey, yeah. know jing jangles. But if you have a photo of it, it just seemed to just it up a level so it was you know and i toured that through
1: england and that the tour the, the, wait, that wait so you have like a screen thing on big the, screen projector ah interesting
0: yeah massive screen and i and this were sec- you the
1: first guy to think about that something like that i
0: did a show in i won i won about three or four awards in different festivals for doing this show um and i think i'm much better at it now I've always wanted to tour America. So if there's an American, there'll be an American listening who wants this show. Mm -hmm. I've, I always, and I did it at Montreal just for laughs as well. Um, But the idea was that people in Britain, comics would go on stage and they would say, "What's it like living here?" And people would go, "It's shit," and I'd go, "I'm going to show you." But it's, it's
1: true. They'd always say that. Yeah
0: so i would say no it's not and then i'd be able to do i'd show them the photos this is the day i've had right um but then you came to places i I took it to sydney and melbourne and you go you'd say what's it like living here and they'd go love it mate best place in the world you know so it kind of changes somewhere you know i did it in india and India was tough because there's <laughs> ah, cool. so much weird, you know. Yeah. Like there's someone shitting in the street. You can't take a photo of that. You know, they didn't want to see any of that. They didn't want to see the slums or, you know. But there's a lot of weirdness there, you know.
1: So you, you're you trying to put something more flattering that they could be proud of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And And to show them that, you know, that a lot of comedians go, you know, on the way to the gig, this happened. I was on my way here, but this was actually true you know
1: and 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 obviously you're taking a time, yeah, walking their town for sure,
0: but also in in Sweden, I couldn't really tour when it's like this because you do would only a certain amount of light, so I'd have to get up there really early early, you know so it's it but I think they feel that that extra effort you know um but i'm I'm dropping the photos now, and I'm just gonna do a I've got to write like a ninety minute show and you know um that's the aim for the next next tour.
1: And and this is a good problem because they know you're very funny and you have now they have a higher expectation. Yeah. So you gotta like one up on them before uh, you know yeah. when you do a show for them again.
0: But it's always I was thinking about this the other day, you always think, have you reached is that it? You know? Have I written The best joker can write and that that scares me Mm -hmm. you know that like can you because it's like what you say if you write if you write three or four hits as a songwriter you can always bring those back up
1: you know yeah and even you know there's a rumor of ava coming back next year and (laughs) some of the I, i did not know i'd get the news from you but this is great um, there's a rumor, and I hope it's true. This I, is I, a, a podcast
0: exclusive.
1: <laughs> That's the rumor, and I hope it's true. But like some of them are uh, went on and tried to do music on their own, and I'm sure they're good. But it doesn't matter when you're that big. Yeah, it's 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 just like uh, what's his name, Walter White, in Breaking Bad. Yeah. He could do another TV show, or movie, until the day he dies. I mean, I I, I cannot imagine he, he will be known for something else. Like Malcolm in the Middle That was what he was known for Yeah yeah But Breaking Bad Is such a culturally huge thing It's a good problem I guess Best TV I've ever
0: seen And also When you see the characters You know even like The Wire When Omar turns up in uh, Boardwalk Empire Yeah It's like No 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 You're Omar You know
1: like You know it's it's... I I do like Boardwalk Empire But yet that You know shows like Breaking Bad The Wire It's so iconic I mean it's just I know it's a TV but it just feels like it's bigger than TV. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: I think the thing for me with Breaking Bad and and, and The Wire, they're my two uh, top two. Was there was no heroes or no villains in it. They were every, it just showed everybody's an asshole and everybody's trying to get what they can. Yeah. You
1: know? It was amazing TV. It, it it's it's a good experience and I I I think you know. I know you're very modest, but I I think I heard like you were like 2011 the best comic of Sweden and stuff. Uh, male stand up. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, most of the comics are male, so. <laughs> but you know, it's nine million people. You're the best one. You know, and uh, uh, good for you. I mean, I thought
0: I actually thought that was quite uh, an amazing pat on the back. Sure. From the Swedish comedy community, who I find. To be incredibly warm to me, you know they're. I don't know, maybe they're speaking in Swedish behind my back and saying this guy's an asshole. And but,
1: and this is a uh, tragedy for us because, uh, like you were saying, and like we were talking before, when when I did show with those four other Swedish guys, I know they were saying something funny, but I don't speak Swedish. Yeah. So um yeah, uh, that's the only part that makes me sad. Like I, I I'm curious, like what are they talking about? And I yeah. wish I, I would know, but. Yeah, I mean,
0: sometimes they people say, oh, this this bit here is so brilliantly written and I don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, the translation, I think English is a bit more dynamic as a language than Swedish, you know? I think you, you sort of go bang, bang, bang and Swedes, it takes a bit longer, but um, I think I really love it when they do it in English. I know it's their second language, but I find it really... I find it almost like a, a friendship breakthrough. Sure. When I speak to someone, when I hear someone do their, a Swede do their set in English, it feels like, oh, now I understand, you know?
1: And and I enjoy watching them, like Big, Big Ben in Stockholm, which is every Wednesday night, they have an English all-comedy show, and yep. it's really fun. Thursday. Oh, it's a Thursday, I'm sorry, every Thursday, and uh, enjoy watching them do shows. Yeah. And uh, I'm amazed because... It, It will never work for me, but like, if I think something that is funny in English, try to do it in Japanese, it will never work. There's no way. And in Japanese to English, that makes no sense, you know. And for them, because they're doing their jokes in Swedish first and trying to convert it into English, and um, if they do it long enough, they actually kind of learn to do that quite well. But it it does take time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did this weird thing for a TV program over here where where I was pretending to be ricky gervais from the office (laughs) and and i was doing one of those kind of yeah well you know this is what i do and i said like even axel rose if he turns up um and there's a problem you know axel slash problem right and i said slash now they laughed but it doesn't translate yes in swedish so they cut that bit out you know so there's been a a few times where it doesn't translate over because it's a maybe a play
1: on words or um, maybe they don't get the reference or maybe it's just not funny. Um, well, I'm sure I think it's a reference more than anything. Yeah. But, but like, like how long into it are you finding them like I got it I, I kind of figure out the audience is waiting like within a year or two years. Um, from the from the day do you know one, what?
0: Absolutely, honestly, man, I came here. I remember I had no expectations of making it here. Mm -hmm. You know? I know that there was Nora Brunn and there was Raw in Stockholm, there was Mack in Malmo, but I didn't, I never thought I'd win a prize or have two sellout tours. So when I went down to Big Ben and I did Mafia, it was a real, like, a a band like had played in Britain, done all right, you know. Sure. And then it was the second album thing. It was like, all right, let's break all this down. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, and it was a massive thing for me as a person as well. And then I just started, I I did some open mic nights and then people would be like, I run a gig, you know.
1: Yeah. And they ask you to come over.
0: Yeah. And can you do that? And then, and so it just started building like that. And then my agent, I met for a, a fika, which they love here, is a coffee and a bun, and uh, we sat down. And he said to me, "Look, to be honest, you should go and talk to talk to this other company." And I thought, "What?" He said, "I think you'd be really great, but go and talk to talk to other people, and then if you like us the most." And I was like, "I've never had that honesty, mm-hmm. you know." Like I had a I had a British agent who assigned signed for like eighteen months ago. Sure, and I said to her, I can't do anything. Like they're a really big agency. Sure, and I was like, but I'm not going to be there. And she was like, yeah, but I need a stand. I'm like, yeah, but and it was a that was a bad decision, you know. But I I love the honesty here, and they've been very nice to me, and and they seem to enjoy my comedy. Yeah,
1: um, I'm I'm a little torn because I do like the niceness. But I also remember I've done those black rooms in like L.A. and New York, those ghetto places. I have I hate to say it, but I don't like getting yelled at and say how horrible I am as a comic or a person. Sometimes, yeah, they just get really personal. But at the same time, those off nights when you actually do really good for those, like I feel like they're kind of actually helping me getting better. Yeah, you know, it's it's I don't think it's anything personal, but when they say you suck with that particular joke it's their way of trying to help you. I mean, I'm not a a masochist in any sense, but um, like we were, we were having lunches. There's some, some of the community, I don't want to mention their names, but uh, it's very clear to you and Adil, they bomb, but for whatever reason, they can connect. I think that's worldwide though. You know, you don't think, you think because the Swedish audience are so nice, they don't want them.
0: No, I think there's, I think there's people in, in Britain that I've met who are, slightly deluded with it as well i think people are addicted to doing
1: stand-up you know i i i or, or do you think it's like uh they love the attention
0: yeah i mean but i th- i also think sometimes it's uh <laughs> it's it's just not being honest with mm-hmm. yourself and the the, the the best comics for me are the people that go i know exactly where i am in this in the bill you know, sure. You know, I can. I should be in the middle, or I'm a headline act, or you know, um. But some what I learned after, like, the, 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 the there's a little bit of a problem in Stockholm at the moment with there is a lot of open mic clubs, sure, a lot of them, and my only concern with it is the open mic is to is to get people better to go on to a paid club,
1: but that doesn't seem to be happening. So people are just staying on the open mic and they're... What what are you saying? Are you saying that um, they're not making effort to go to next level or... No, there's
0: just there just doesn't seem to be a a road there. Oh, oh, you know, there
1: mm -hmm. um, not enough gigs for people. It
0: used to be, oh, you're the best open mic person. You'll be getting paid work soon. Sure. But that doesn't seem to there seems to be more open mic people than there are
1: clubs you know and I know a couple of the ones that I they always struck me very funny they eventually leave like they, they have to go like England or maybe even states yeah. you know
0: a, a few Swedes do
1: yeah and I I, I never realized how great America is when it comes to show business stuff I took it for granted you have like Swedish version of Letterman show or Tonight show and you don't really have like a, every single night some kind of talk show no. maybe once a week if you're lucky and I thought Oh, if you only have once a week, it's probably hard to be the comic to get on, much less yeah. most of them. Yeah. So, I guess if you're into show business stuff, you're very lucky to work in UK and especially in America. I guess.
0: Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big culture here. Like, mm. they're I mean, even with TV programs, they're very loyal as well. There's a program called Soul Sedan on a Sunday. And if that series is on, maybe comedy clubs will be really, you know, like even the streets will be a bit quieter because uh, they'll stay at home.
1: You know, did they have the same thing over here, like England? You were saying like they don't want to have non-British hosting a show. I think I think with the language. I mean, when I do
0: uh, radio interviews, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time, you know, in in some parts of it, they translate it straight after. It. Oh, I see. So I'm sort of saying. Yeah, and they wear these blue bags on their shoes. it? Blue, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm listening to see if they do it. You know, they're doing my joke basically. Right. You know, huh. but then um, other times I get subtitled, so that that can work.
1: Oh, on TV yeah. shows. Yeah. Interesting. Which is bizarre. So what, what what's your plan? Um, you you're. You know people I guess people who want to keep working in Sweden they're probably gunning for you because you're the guy on top but next five ten years I mean would you like to, if you have a chance would you like to have a TV show you want to act on a Swedish show or um, I
0: think um, I think I'd, I'd like I'd like to film some stand-up I'm always fearful of doing that mm-hmm. I always to me it's always just it's normally a man with a microphone telling jokes and it's filmed in the theater and then the end of the show and there's more not sometimes a time lapse of the audience filling up
1: sure and i just
0: but that's the way to do it it doesn't it's not broken so you can't really do anything different you know sure. I, i've always thought of uh you know having a different like the audience holding iphones and using that footage but it doesn't work you know um and i've never been that excited about watching a comedy dvd live is so much you know because comedy you know like for example with my photos you know we've tried to film that but it's so weird because you're you're laughing at the photo but are you laughing at the reaction of the audience or the reaction of me It's like three or four different things in there so i'd like to do that i've got a big tour next autumn um, but, but, can
1: I, I, can, but can I ask you something? Like uh, you do those Stockholm pictures, they love it. But if you film stuff like that, I guess you have to do the biggest city. Because if you do some little town where all the photos, they they appreciate what you're saying. People who don't live in that city might not appreciate.
0: You know what I'm trying to ask you? Like, yeah, what, in Stockholm? The I big mean, city? if you're
1: going to do something like that, I guess you have to do the biggest city to get the biggest bang for the um, DVD or whatever that you're filming.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would if I if I was to do a DVD with the photos, it would have to be like a best of,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'd have
0: to just show fo- my favorite photos from Sweden because, you know, I'm told you know stockholm is the big city stockholm's the the one that people are, are, are most angry about but i don't ever get that because mm. i'm not from here you know but uh, i think it would turn people off if it was just loads of photos of stockholm you know because they couldn't really 100% relate it's like when i did the show in london london people living all around london they don't and sometimes a lot of people have moved into london so there's no sense of Belonging,
1: yes, you know. Um, but if you make a DVD or TV thing for the best of Sweden or something, then yeah, yeah. you ever picture that got the biggest laugh in Uppsala the yeah, biggest, then then yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah, but I guess that would be pretty much for Swedish market only because again, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but it's nine million people. Let's be honest; that's still great. I mean,
0: and and it's it's given me a, a, a great life. You mm-hmm. know,
1: I mean, you got a wife and how many kids? got two
0: kids and yeah i mean i i'm not famous at all but people sometimes people will look at me in the at the in the street you know and i'm not used to that Mm -hmm. so i'll stare back at them like i'm thinking i got like dog shit on my nose or something you know so there's that part but at the moment i'm just so happy i can't believe it man where i'm at you know it's like You know, that whole thing of 10 years ago, where would you be? You know, even five years ago, I couldn't have dreamt this, you know. And and, and someone the other day said this about, like, it is amazing that you can do stand-up in
1: Sweden. It, It really is.
0: Because, I mean, you could do it maybe in Denmark, Finland at a stretch, Norway. But that's about it, really. You know, I mean, even in Holland, I think you'd have to learn, you know, Dutch, you know. You know, Germany, you wouldn't get away with it.
1: In 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 Netherlands, they they seem a little jaded. They they act they're a good audience, but they have this attitude like we've seen a lot. You better yeah. do something different. To yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I people are so polite here. You know, just I don't, I don't know what to say. And uh, a, a deal killed yesterday. And yesterday, um, I I'm assuming it's just open mic. So I think eighty percent was new. And a lot of them, you know, because especially because I'm so dark, I think that my comment on how bad those jokes got bigger laughs than the actual joke I was kind of working on. Yeah. And they're so fun. And after the show, I talk a lot of them, and uh, I, I like doing shows like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think if you if if you're not used to it, it is uncomfortable, like complete silence. Yeah, and I mean, uh,
0: sometimes I think I'm on stage and I think, is this going all right? Because they are quiet, but. Yeah. I do think that they don't want to be the person that doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. So they're very quiet. Yeah. And then at the end it's like,
1: <sighs> yeah, you
0: know, it's amazing.
1: But you you're beyond that because from a joke one, Uppsala University, those 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 mostly Swedish kids, man, they they love what you were saying and um I didn't get the references but um yeah it was fantastic. I, I know the rhythm when the show's going well. Yeah. And you had them. Yeah, I can get that with Swedes as well. Bro. Oh my god. It, yeah. it 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 was fantastic. And um yeah, you this you know, it's if 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 comedy was sports, if I was the comedy USA or comedy Britain coming to your home court, boy, it's it's a, it's gonna be a bloody murder for us you know <laughs> because you know exactly how to hit it Um cool yeah very very kind Um so uh, do you have any new so next 2014 you're thinking about I, I think this is going to be airing er, early 2014 so what would you like next year like a bunch of new uh, material yeah but do you also want to like write or direct or film or something no i
0: i do uh, you know i'm sounding like an old man but i i do think the youtube and the internet is still underused by comics sure you know i still think you know i think the the great thing with podcast that's fantastic you know um but i always feel with podcasts that like if i started one now i'd always think Oh, but those people have been going for years, you know. I
1: don't, I don't think so. And I, I think especially for you, and this is something I tell Deal and uh, Aaron Flam I told them that um, make sure you guys do this uh, podcast, but make sure it's in English. Yeah. Because you're really uh, eliminating the rest of the world if you don't do that. But I think you should do it. It's never too late, and it's, it's such an early stage because there's for every one person that knows what that is, probably like ten people don't have no idea what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for you especially. I think it'd be great because um, you commenting on something that happened that week when living in Sweden. Because I think they want to know. We we uh, we will notice things about Sweden that Swedes themselves don't notice. Yeah, you yeah. know. So like, it's not an attack. It's just like, why do you guys do this and that? And when they explain to me, like, oh, that actually makes sense. Um,
0: yeah, my only thing though is if I was to record something, um, and I found it funny, it, I said it. I'd be like I'd love to use that on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my one of my biggest problems would be like shit that's funny I should use that I shouldn't use that here. Mm-hmm. You know. But
1: how how old are your kids? Uh 3 and 4 months. You know, you know what what I would love um uh, when when uh, one of your kids is like old enough. Uh, I I I always recommend my friends with kids have a podcast. Yeah. Be, because I I think I think it's terrific because I told my friend Stan his, his son is Chan very funny comic in the States and he his son is 17 16 or 17 but next year he's finishing high school going to college they're going to spend less and less time with each other and I thought if I had a kid if they're old enough to talk I would love to talk to that yeah, kid that's a good idea and because your, your son or daughter will be fluent in English I have to be fluent and Swedish but it'll be kind of fun to hear you and your kid kind of grow with the podcast and they're going to say something funny that you'll never expect you know Yeah, yeah. and it'll be like a audio diary for your grandkids you know and I always tell my friends if you have a child and yeah. they're old enough you should do it and yours will be like a, probably the first non-Swedish comic doing a podcast in English yeah, in I think a, with a kid maybe a little video yeah video blog because yeah. i think yeah and it'd be kind of funny to ask them questions and they give you like a really funny answers they always do i'm gonna do this yeah man. and cut be, this th- bit out because i'm gonna use it <laughs> but do it because uh i i'm, I'm curious it'd be kind of fun like you're almost growing and learning sweden through your kid i, I think I, I love stuff like that yeah, travel yeah. show and um I, I i don't know where you're going now but i think the more you do this uh, I, I think people outside of the country will be interested in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think people. I think Sweden is an
1: interesting place. It, it, absolutely, it's, it's and it's one of those uh, countries in Europe that's neglected by visitors because I think you, the usual suspect like France, yeah, Italy yeah. and England. You know, I think those three kind of hug Spain. Those yeah. are like the ones, especially that Spain, France, Italy. They yeah, hug yeah. most of the um, yeah. tourists. I think. Um, when the comedian doing the materials, they hear jokes, you learn a lot about that person's background. So I think a lot of people can learn a lot about Sweden through you. So, all right, well, thanks for doing this episode. Let them know your Twitter account. How how do they contact you or follow you or your website?
0: Uh, Facebook and um, the owl Pitcher. Okay. And I'm on Instagram. I do a lot of photos. And what's that?
1: Uh, Owl Pitcher. Okay. P-I-T-C-H-E-R. Do you have a, like a business website or a website
0: Uh, dot se for Sweden yeah fantastic it's been
1: fun man Al thanks and uh I'm looking forward to see you uh, come to the state with your kids I think you should and uh I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more TV projects down the road and especially I really want to see uh, you um podcast and yeah. interview your kids I, I'm telling you you're going to get more material from there because your kids going to say some uh, interesting surprising a, things I think it's a great idea so all right everyone thanks for listening to this episode and uh, i'll uh, appreciate you doing it and uh, i'll talk to you guys soon thank you